Thank you for joining the worship services of Shoto, Brady, and Dutton United Methodist Churches. I'm Pastor Julie King, and I'm so grateful for digital technology that allows you to join us from wherever you are in the world. You can join us every week by clicking the links on our Facebook at facebook.com shotoumc or on our website at umshoto.net. If you like what we are doing and would like to financially support us in ministry, you can find more contact information on our website, and again, that's umshoto.net. We're so grateful that you are joining us. Today's scripture reading is perhaps my favorite scripture. It comes from the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. And it tells us that everything has its time. For everything, there is a season, a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die a time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to throw away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and above all, a time for peace. This is the word of God for the, for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. So I really hope this mic pack stays on me today because I wore a dress without pockets and it's clipped on the back here. So if you see me struggling, just go with it and it'll be fine. <laughs> this morning, that was one of the things I asked Robert. I was like, how am I going to clip on my mic? And I'm like, well, I guess I'll just figure it out. I'll do something new. And funny enough, doing something new and figuring it out fits very well into the entire message today. This song, or this scripture, not song, we'll get to the song in a minute. This scripture from Ecclesiastes is one that is very popular. It is Lila's, one of her favorite scriptures. Actually, if you go into the office, you'll see part of the scripture up on the wall. It is one that most people, even if they've don't list it as their favorite. It's one that they're very familiar with. This very well-known passage has a way of explaining to us life as being very balanced. 
in a way that it explains that there's a proper time for everything that we go through. This scripture is also one that comes up a lot for me. Over the years, I would say that aside from Psalm 23, this is one of the most popular scriptures that I've used for funeral services. And there's a good reason for that. Not only is it oftentimes the person's favorite scripture, but when somebody's end of life comes, it is a time that we really reflect on every season that they have been through in life. All of the highs, all of the lows, all of the good times, the bad, the beautiful, and the ugly. And this scripture reminds us that there is a time for everything that we go through in life. The author of this scripture uses 14 different opposites to explain to us how contrasting activities in our life make up the various seasons that we go through. There are three concepts to this that I want us to kind of look at a little bit before I apply it to our own church setting a little bit deeper. But the first I want you to think about is how the timing of our activities in our life is important. When one reads through this scripture, especially verse 8, and it talks about there's a time to kill, most of us would automatically say that killing somebody is evil and a crime. However, there are times when defending one's own country is considered a very, very noble act. There is a time for it. Dancing, as it talks about in verse 4, is something that I think all of us love. There is certainly a time to dance, especially with celebration. But we would probably argue that during a funeral, except for maybe in a rare circumstance, dancing is probably not appropriate. The second main thing that I want us to think about from this scripture is that these seasons, every one of them is appointed by God to its proper time, its proper place. God planned for our lives. He wants us as human beings to have a variety of different experiences. He wants us to go through different things in our life. Weeping probably should not be what our entire life is all about. But even Jesus weeped in his own life. We know that story about how when Lazarus died and then of course he was raised from the dead, there's a time in the middle of that, the shortest scripture from the Bible actually, where Jesus wept. But God does not want us to spend our entire life weeping. Of course, there is absolutely a place for laughter too. And that's something that this passage reminds us of. It also reminds us that there is a time in our life where construction is good, times that we are supposed to have things building up in our lives and things are supposed to keep getting better and bigger. But then there's also times that deconstruction is necessary and things in our life fall apart. And that's just part of how God wants it to be. A key part of this passage is when it says that he has made everything beautiful in its time. 
everything is made beautiful in its time. Sometimes when we go through those really hard times in our life, we can look back on it and we can see the goodness and the beauty of those very difficult situations that we made it through. We always say hindsight is 2020, and we might not understand why a bad thing happened or we might not want to relive it, certainly. But there is beauty in everything that we go through in our life. The third thing that I want us to think about before I move on out of the scripture a little bit more is that Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8 serves as a bridge from the first two chapters and then the, the section that follows. It reminds us that we are to accept every day as a gift from God. Why? Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8 tells us that everything has a reason and a time. Sometimes I think that we as people are ignorant to God's timing. We don't like God's timing at all. Sometimes we don't understand God's timing and we forget that it even happens in God's timing. But God wants us to live in the present. He wants us to be reminded that our God is a sovereign God and that we are supposed to trust in his timing and that we will get through everything that we go through. To me, this scripture offers a lot of wisdom and it reminds us that our activity in the world is meaningful as we rely on God's wisdom, his timing, and his goodness. As I've thought about God's timing and the last several months, even the last year, most of us have experienced some downtime, to say the least. There's been a lot of us who have been in that time of mourning, a time of grief, whether it be from COVID or whether it be from losing loved ones. I have officiated more funerals or attended more funerals than I would like to admit over the last couple of months. I enjoy funerals, though in a weird way. It's not that I wake up every morning and say, hey, I hope my phone rings today so that I can go officiate a funeral. That is not something that any pastor wants to do. But there is something very beautiful about going through that time of life with a family. As I mentioned before, you really get to reflect on that person's life. You get to understand who they are. You get to understand why their faith is the way that it is or why their relationships are the way that they are. You get to hear about those huge successes and celebrations in their life and those very difficult parts of their life that help them to be built up again. If you're really lucky, you get to go spend some final moments, whether it be hours or week, with a person who is in the final stages of their life, and they get to tell you word for word the things that you want them to know. The things that you want them to, or that they want you to say to their friends and their family. And every time that I go through that with somebody, I'm reminded of the scripture and the seasons that that person has been through. Then when I go home, as it does for many of us, I start reflecting on my own life and I begin wondering, okay, do I have all of my affairs in order? If something happened to me tomorrow, what would happen to my kids? What would happen to my husband? What would my parents think? And I began pondering 
my life and my purpose for life. And as you can imagine, for me as a pastor, a big part of what I view as my purpose is the church. So as all of these conversations and a lot of these funerals have been coming up over and over and I've thought about the seasons of life, I've reflected a lot on the life of the church and what is to come. I've also had the opportunity over the last couple of weeks to have some pretty very serious conversations, very transparent conversations with leaders in our local churches and also beyond in the conference. And today I think that it's important that we talk about our church, the seasons of our church. I think that when I reflect on the future of the church and the conversations that I have, there is one word that comes to mind, and that word is fear. And I say fear because in conversations with people in our local churches, the number one concern that seems to come up over and over is that our churches are aging. And what happens when we're all gone? Where do our churches go? How do we get young people in the doors? That's a huge concern. It is a big fear. The other one that I want to talk about is one that maybe none of us have talked about openly with each other. A few of us have, but it's something that I think all of us think to ourselves. And after my conversation with Jan Whitman last week, it's something that I want us to talk about because I feel like it's something that doesn't need to be kept quiet. If we don't talk about it, then it will always be the same feelings. And the other fear is the itinerancy system and how pastors come and go so quickly. I think that one of the biggest hurdles for our churches is that there are still some open wounds in Shoto, Brady, and Dutton because of the pastor transitions. Not because you don't love me or not because you don't see good things. I know that you do and I love the love and support that we have been given, but you also loved your previous pastors and they weren't here for very long. And you know how that cycle works and so what happens? You get to love me for a couple of years and we talk about ministries and ways that we can get our church going and the cycles of the church and the seasons that our church is in and then I get moved in a couple of years. It's hard to build relationships or trust when you fear that that's what's going to happen. So I brought that up to our district superintendent. I'm just a speak it like it is type person in those situations. And she's very aware of it. And so I wanted to talk about this today because I hope that it helps all of us to take a really deep breath and just breathe and realize that it is okay. The cabinet is very, very aware of those issues and those fears. They are very, very aware that one of the biggest concerns, not just for our local church, but for all churches, is aging congregations and not having that cycle of life come back in. They also realize that we can't make connections outside of the church when we're constantly being rotated. 
And so I wanted to share with all of you and make it very just open and clear that that is something that we've talked about. And of course, we can't see the future. We don't know the future, but they were very, very reassuring to me that they are aware of it and they are going to nurture that. They do not have plans of moving me in two or three years. And if it happens, it's going to be something that all of us want, that all of us have talked about, and we know that it's what's best for our churches. And we'll deal with that in the future. But at this point in time, they have every intention of making sure that our ministry here is fruitful and that it flourishes. So how do we do that? Now that we've got that all settled and we're feeling better, like, okay, there's a future, how do we do that? I don't have all those answers. A lot of people think that if you get a young pastor with a young family, you're going to bring in all the other young families from town. And as much as I wish that that was the case, that is not the case. <laughs> what does happen is that you start meeting people outside of the church through different ways. Not just me, but all of you. All of you know other people in the community. You know people who don't have a church home but you probably don't talk church with them all the time because that's a really awkward conversation to have with somebody that has a wall up against religion or who has been hurt by religion. So how do you do that? Well, you be their friend. You reflect Christ everywhere that you go in this world. You just have conversations with them. You talk about love and you talk about goodness. And when they go through celebrations in their life, you celebrate them. And when they go through difficult times in their life, you pick them up and you nurture them and you love them through it. Those are all qualities that we should be doing anyway everywhere that we go, but sometimes we just have to be reminded to be intentional about it. Then as new ministries begin happening and forming, we also have to remember that sometimes they're not always going to look the way that they have always been. And we also have to remember that there are parts of previous traditions in ministry that can really help to guide new ministries. I could stand up here today and come up with a lot of ministries that should be going and I could ask all of you to raise your hand if you would like to volunteer. And if I had to guess, most of you are going to sit there and think to yourselves, I've already done that and I'm not in that season of my life and it's somebody else's turn to do it. And I see a lot of smiles and I think everyone feels that same way. And to be honest, that is the reality of it. But what you do have is you have those stories. You have those experiences and those activities that you have done before. And you can share those with people outside of our church. You don't have to share them with just me because I promise I can't do it all by myself. You can talk to other people and tell them about your life experiences. And they will be intrigued by it and they will say, hey, that sounds really cool. We should get that going, but how do we do it? Well, I might know a building that we can use. And things start happening. What I do have to offer, I don't have all those answers, but I do have a lot of energy and a lot of passion and a lot of excitement for it. And you guys have the wisdom. And so as we think about the scripture 
We think of the way that things change and the ways that time keeps going on and on and on in that circle of life. My hope is that each of you will begin to reflect on all of the seasons that you have been through in your life and the ways that those stories can help to influence and shape the future. Sometimes reaching people outside of the church is not easy. There is one other part to this scripture that reminds me of all of everything I've talked about today very much. So as I mentioned, this scripture is one that I like to use a lot in funerals. I use it very often. Something that I was very well known for though in my previous appointment in Kansas was doing funerals for people who did not have a church home. They just needed somebody to come and help the family get closure and lay them to rest. Most of the time, people who didn't have a church home still considered themselves to be spiritual, but not religious. That's a whole nother sermon that we'll deal with another day. But these people who were spiritual and not religious, they were typically good with me using scripture or saying prayers. But there's occasionally those few families that would not have it. And so, I began talking to this one particular family. It was one of the very first funerals I ever did, actually. And they said, we do not want scripture. Okay. Well, for me, especially being a young pastor, I was like, we have to have some religion in this. Like, I, I don't know if I feel comfortable doing this unless I feel like God's a part of it. So we began talking about this person's life and the life that they lived. And it turns out that they love oldies rock and oldies music. And so I was like, hey, have you ever heard that song, Turn, Turn, Turn? And we began talking about it. And of course, it was a very, very common song and the family was aware of it. And yes, they were fine with me working that into the service. What they didn't realize is that the words to this song are the same words from Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8. It worked out just fine. I looked up an article on this song, and it was fun to read through the history of it. And I've got it printed out if any of you would like to read into it more. But it, I wanted to know, how did this song come about? And so I looked it up, and in 1962, let me find the man's name so I don't... Pete Seeger was a little bit turned off by his manager. He kept writing songs and the manager said, we can't record these, this is never gonna sell. So he got mad. And he went home and he says that, I sat down with a tape recorder and said, I cannot write the kinds of songs that you want. And then he added, you gotta go to someone else. This is the only kind of song that I know how to write. And then I pulled out a slip of paper and I began improvising a melody. Just the musical part of it, not the words. He said the melody came to him in 15 minutes is all that it took to write the tune, the actual tune to this. Then he sent it over to the manager and a week later he got a letter that says, wonderful, that's just what I'm looking for. And then he ended up putting the words of Ecclesiastes one or three, one through eight, to that tune. 
Within two months, he had sold it to the Limelighters, who was another folk rock group that obviously didn't go as big as the Birds. And then within a couple of years, had sold it to the Birds. It ended up becoming number one on the Billboard charts for weeks and weeks. It became a global song. And still today, it is a very popular song that many, many of us know and love. And so it reminds me that this song was a way to reach people with words from the Bible, with scripture, in very new ways. Ways that they probably would not have been reached if they had put it to the tune of a church organ and sang it. And so as we move into our hymn of reflection, that our song of reflection that we will be singing very soon, I would invite all of you to pay attention to the words that are going to be on the screen. It is the words of the song, and we are going to be singing Turn, Turn, Turn by the birds in church and doing things a little bit different. And as we go forward through the next week and through the remaining months of summer, my hope is that each of you will take these few weeks to start reflecting on the own seasons of your life and the ways that they can be used to help influence the future of our churches. Amen. You can stand if you would like on this song and feel free to sing along if you know the words. <laughs> Yeah. 